Many years ago, I think it was not long after I arrived at my previous pastorate in Northern Virginia, so it would have been in the mid-90s, I had an experience that I still think about from time to time. It was a Friday evening, and Lois and I were at home at the parsonage, which was just across the parking lot from the church. And we had discovered pretty soon after moving there that sometimes on Friday evenings, someone would come and knock on the back door. It could be a homeless person, a person just passing through, someone working their way around the local churches to ask for some kind of food or financial assistance. After a while, it occurred to me that the timing was not accidental and that those requests came after five on a Friday because at least some of those people who would come to the church to ask for help knew that after 5 p.m. on a Friday, there was no way for me to refer them to a local aid agency, a food bank or a homeless shelter. And I think their calculation was that because I couldn't refer them, that I, the pastor, would be more likely to just give them something out of my own pocket. Coming to the parsonage instead of the church may have been part of the calculation as well. On a Friday evening, home with my family, maybe I would be a softer touch give them something just to get them on their way. Anyway, on this particular Friday evening, the knock on the door came after dark. It was actually a pounding on the door. And the woman who was there on my little back porch was breathing heavily and crying. She had been chased, she told us, and she was running and running and saw our porch light on. Could we help her? She was scared. I couldn't quite get the whole story from her, But from what I could gather, apparently she was on her way to a friend's house and she had gotten into some sort of confrontation and now she needed help getting where she needed to go. Could I call her a cab? In those situations, I tried to create some separation between home and church, so I walked her across the church parking lot toward the church. And when we got there, she felt safe enough to stay outside the door of the church while I went into my office, which was just steps from the outside door, and called a cab for her. Then I came back out to wait with her outside for the cab to come. It was only moments later when a police car came screeching into the parking lot, lights flashing. I stood there while it skidded to a stop in front of me. The woman cowered behind me. A yellow cab came barreling into the parking lot as well. I had no idea what was going on. The cab driver was first out of his car, charging toward me and the woman who was standing behind me. He started screaming at her. She yelled back, cursing him. The police officer got out of his car too, stepping into the fray. I was stunned. What was happening? It took a little while to get the story sorted out, but the gist of it was this. This angry confrontation between the cab driver and the woman was apparently a continuation of the confrontation she had been running away from when she arrived on my porch. Apparently, she had been in his cab and she was drinking And he told her she couldn't consume alcohol in his cab, but she refused to stop. She may have even poured some of it on the floor of the cab. That part was in dispute. Anyway, the verbal confrontation in the cab had escalated, and he had pulled over and told her to pay up and get out. She got out, but she didn't pay him what she owed him, and instead ran away, ending up at my house. He called the police and then his dispatcher, and when I called the cab company to ask for a cab for this woman, and they saw what the address was, they put two and two together and sent the police to the church. 
And the cab driver, who was still by the side of the road, not far away, saw what was happening and he came too. And then, as if all of that wasn't problematic enough, the police officer, as he evaluated what had happened, said that he was going to have to arrest the woman. She begged him not to. I tried to intervene as well. Jail on a Friday night? She'd probably be in all weekend. There must be some way to resolve this, I ventured. The cab driver said, I want my money. And the woman said, I would have paid the money, but he didn't take me to my friend's house. The police officer said, you have to work this out or else I'm going to arrest her. I don't remember whose idea it was, probably the police officer's, but the suggestion was put forward. The woman pay the cab driver what she owed and he would take her the rest of the way. The cab driver said, I can't do that. I don't trust her. The woman said, I won't do that. I won't feel safe. The police officer said, then you're going to jail. The cab driver said, what about my money? The police officer said, you're not going to get it. Okay, he said, I'll take her, but only if he goes with us, pointing to me. The woman chimed in, okay, I'll go, but only if he comes too. Again, pointing at me. It looks like you're going with them, the officer said, or else she's going to jail. Wait a minute, I said. How am I going to get back? I'll bring you back, the cab driver said. I don't know, I said. The officer replied, one way or another, this is going to get resolved right now. Okay, I said. And I got in the cab with the woman and the driver, and off we went. She felt safe. He got his money. We dropped her off at the address she wanted to go to, and then the cab driver drove me back to the church. I noticed as we drove back that we were going slower and slower. As he told me all about his personal life, his troubles, I was like his priest in the back seat, and the cab his confessional. He dropped me off at the church. Lois was standing there outside the church. She had no idea what had happened to me. It was as if I had disappeared into thin air, and she was worried sick. Where have you been, she said. You won't believe what happened, I replied, and told her the story. They wouldn't go unless I went with them. The story in the scripture for today has Moses arguing with God, or at least pleading with God to stick with the people of Israel, to go with them, to stay with them. You remember from last week that Moses persuaded God not to destroy the Israelites after the golden calf debacle. But in the part of the scripture that falls between last week's story and this week's story, God has told Moses that although God will point them toward the promised land, God's not going with them. At the beginning of chapter 33, as the people are getting ready to leave Mount Sinai, this is how it plays out. The Lord said to Moses, Go, leave this place, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, and go to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, to your descendants I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you, or I would consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. 
Okay, so they still get to go to the promised land, this land flowing with milk and honey, and the local tribes will be driven out before them. They will get what they want. Their own land, freedom from slavery, freedom from enemies. It's all good, right? Well, Moses knows it's not. If God doesn't go with them, they won't be safe in the longer term. They won't be assured of the kind of future that God hopes for them. They won't rise to their best possibilities, their best potential. God is right. They are a stiff-necked people. Left to their own devices, they will stubbornly go on to their own doom. Moses knows. It was not Moses who brought them up out of the land of Egypt. It was God. And without God, the slavery that once bound them physically will continue to bind their hearts and minds. Moses says to God, if your presence will not go, do not carry us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people, unless you go with us? I've been sitting with this scripture story all this past week, and maybe you can see why it made me think of that Friday night in the parking lot outside of the Oakton Church all those years ago. Unless you go with them, she's going to jail. Unless you go with us, I'm not getting in that cab. Unless you go with us, I won't drive her to her destination. Unless you go with us. By going with them, I wasn't going to save any of them, at least not in the ultimate sense, but I knew I could save something for each of them in the moment just by going with them. I believe very strongly in the power of presence. It is not only a physical gift, but it is a spiritual gift that we can share with others. Sometimes our presence is what gives assurance to the person who isn't sure which way to turn. Sometimes our presence is what makes an unsafe situation safer. Sometimes our presence guarantees or at least encourages better behavior. Sometimes our presence gives comfort. Sometimes our presence is what stands between a good outcome and a bad outcome. Sometimes our presence is all we can offer. I really did not want to get into that cab that night. I really didn't. Those people were all crazy in my opinion. The woman who drank too much, the cab driver with anger issues, the police officer who essentially bullied me into taking on a problem so he wouldn't have to. I didn't want to go with them. I wasn't even sure it was a very good idea, but there I was. And whether I wanted it to be so or not, In that moment, these were my people. To care for, to help, to keep safe, to reconcile, to touch, to put up with, to direct onto a better path, to help get through the evening, to save from their worst selves and encourage toward their better selves, so I had to go with them. I wonder whether Moses actually convinced God to go with the people of Israel to continue on with them to the promised land, Or whether Moses just bought some time for God to decide that even if God was bitterly disappointed in these stiff-necked, crazy, uncooperative, and sometimes ungrateful people, that at least in that moment, God would go with them because good idea or not, 
good behavior or not, these were still God's people. God's people to care for, to help, to keep safe, to reconcile, to touch, to put up with, to direct onto a better path, to help get through that day and the next, to save from their worst selves and encourage toward their better selves. So God had to go with them. Unless you go with us, Moses was at least smart enough or cautious enough or even uncertain enough to know that he didn't want to carry the whole load himself. He needed God's help, support, yes, presence. There was a price to it. After this, no more face-to-face direct encounters with God's glory. Moses had aligned himself with the best interests of the people. He had taken their side, so to speak, the side of the unholy, the unwashed, So no more direct face-to-face encounters with the glory of God. There was a price, there always is. But I have to think that for Moses, it was worth it. If God could be persuaded to go along, to go with them, then Moses knew that the people would be okay. Moses would never make it to the promised land himself. We'll look at that story next week. But that wouldn't matter. He would be able to rest in peace because he knew that God would be with them. I think these days that we sometimes throw around too lightly the idea of presence, especially of God's presence. God is with you. God is always with you. As if God is some kind of cosmic valet. But don't take it lightly. God doesn't go with us because we are all that great because we deserve divine accompaniment. Often enough, God goes with us despite who we are. God goes with us because in this moment right now, we need God to go with us, to stay with us. And God, who is more patient than we deserve, God who looks past our worst moments, our betrayal, our lack of gratitude, our pride and self-centeredness, sees and remembers that God made us, formed us from dust, breathed life into us. And so we belong to God. And God with grace and mercy keeps claiming us and staying by us, even though it would be quite understandable if God had given up on us long ago stiff-necked as we are. Thanks be to God for not giving up on us, for remembering us in our early and innocent moments, and then for forgiving our grown-up mistakes, our golden calves, our stiff-necked posture. Thanks be to God for going along with us, keeping promises and accompanying us to the promised land. And thanks be to God for every Moses in our lives who advocates for us, who looks out for us, who begs God's mercy on our behalf. Thanks be to God. The journey is sometimes very difficult, complicated, uncertain. We are ill-equipped and less than visionary. Unless you go with us, God, we won't do as well as we could. We won't become who we are meant to be unless you go with us. So please, God, 
go with us. Amen. Please join me in some moments of silent prayer and reflection. <laughs>